the powers of the commission to impose policy should be a carrot and not a stick, right? I believe that uh, we all live in this city, we all care about it and all want what's best for it. Uh, so we all need to be a part of the conversation to make it better. You know, we are trying to do something that, that's extremely rare in the city of Chicago, and that's pass something through the city council without the support of the mayor. I hope the mayor uh, changes her tune and supports this community initiative. Welcome to the Daily Line podcast. I'm Erin Hegarty, and I'll be your host today. Community advocates and some aldermen have been pushing for civilian oversight of the Chicago Police Department for years. They want residents to have a say in police policy and who heads up the police department and other public safety related offices. And Mayor Lori Lightfoot, during her campaign for mayor, pledged to get civilian oversight of the police department in place within her first 100 days in office. But those first 100 days are long past, and Chicago still does not have a civilian commission helping to direct policy for the police department. Advocates and some aldermen in recent months have asked Lightfoot to get out of the way of the reform. And while she said back in September she would draw up her own separate proposal on civilian oversight of CPD, Lightfoot's plan is yet to be unveiled, as she says civilian oversight would be, quote, the most consequential change in policing maybe ever in Chicago. Lightfoot last week told reporters there are a lot of conversations she's having around her proposal, and she thinks she's getting close to introducing something to city council. But as the mayor has taken months to draw up her own ordinance, coalitions behind the previously competing Civilian Police Accountability Council, or CPAC, and the Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability, or GAPA, agreed on what's touted as a unity ordinance. Their new measure is basically largely based on GAPA's proposal, with a provision for a question to go directly to voters, asking them if they want to give even more power to the Civilian Commission, as CPAC had originally proposed. So last week, I talked with 35th Ward Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa and Desmond Yancey, Director of Community Organizing for Inner City Muslim Action Network. I'll let them explain the ordinance in our conversation, but it essentially creates 22 district councils and a seven-member community commission on public safety, and that would help to choose or remove the police superintendent, the head COPA administrator, and police board members. So let's hear from Ramirez Rosa and Yancey about what's in the Empowering Communities for Public Safety Ordinance. That's the name of their new unity ordinance, and what it is like bringing the GAPA and CBAC coalitions together to work on one ordinance, and the challenge they're facing and trying to get a measure past city council without the mayor's support. Okay, so today we have Alderman of the 35th Ward, Carlos Ramirez Rosa, and Desmond Yancey, who is the Director of Community Organizing for the Inner City Muslim Action Network. Um, here to talk with us about community oversight of the police department. Uh, it's nice to be talking with both of you today. Hey, Aaron. Hey, thanks for having us. We should note that we're here one day after the April City Council meeting and the rally you held urging Alderman and Mayor Lori Lightfoot to pass the Empowering Communities for Public Safety Ordinance, uh, which is the kind of Unity ordinance uh, advocates previously behind both GAPA and CPAC agreed on and announced in March. Um, to start, I'm wondering if you could walk me through a bit just broadly um, or, you know, as detailed as detailed as you'd like to get um, what the community, what the empowering communities for public safety ordinance does 
and kind of how it sets up the 22 district councils and the citywide uh, community commission on public safety. What the ordinance seeks to do is really um, sort of wrest control of the police department and put it in the hands of community members. Uh, there are just sort of a number of ways that the police department has failed to support members of the community um, and with 40% of the city's corporate budget um, and no input from the community on policy, they're kind of in a unique space. Um, especially when so many of their policies affect people, especially marginalized folks, in sort of a disproportionate way. And so what the ordinance seeks to do is uh, create two levels of accountability. The first is the district councils, which uh, there are 22 police districts in each. I mean, 22 police districts in the city. Um, they sort of overlap in communities uh, and um, and wards, but um, they have sort of like the local, uh, they have a local face of the police department. And what the district councils will do is, uh, through elections, provide community voice for how uh, communities are policed. Uh, different communities have different needs, and to be able to have that sort of sit with invested people in the community voting for their representatives is important. Uh, one of the roles of the district council is to um, uh, provide candidates to be appointed to the citywide commission, uh, and the powers of the citywide commission are probably where um, uh, people are going to see the most impact from this ordinance, um, the ability to choose or play a significant role in who the police superintendent is, um, and also to be able to uh, vote of no confidence if the community is not satisfied with them, um, play a role in um, the COPA chief administrator, um, and probably one of the more important roles is um, playing a significant role in how police policy is developed, to be able to finally have the community not only approve uh, CPD policy, but also um, draft policy uh, sort of around CPD if necessary to make sure that the policies that are created are in the best interest of community stakeholders. Uh, this is an ordinance that brings together both the Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability uh, and their proposal for civilian oversight and the coalition behind a civilian police accountability council. So it creates a strong version of civilian oversight, what we as a city council can accomplish under existing state law, and then also creates a path forward for Chicagoans to decide democratically if they want to increase the powers that the civilian commissioners would have. What, can you explain the portion that allows? Yeah, absolutely. That's a great question. Um, so specifically, the ordinance also includes a referendum. So the Chicago City Council uh, can put up to three referendum questions on the ballot for any election. As a matter of fact, there can only be three referendum questions on a ballot. So residents can collect signatures, uh, which is a big task. It's really difficult to do to put three questions on the ballot. Or uh, aldermen can put questions on the ballot for the voters to decide. Um, in order for us to be able to change our form of government, so if we wanted directly elected civilian commissioners, if we wanted those civilian commissioners to have additional powers, we have to do a referendum uh, under the Illinois Constitution. So this ordinance not only establishes a strong, robust, comprehensive version of civilian oversight, but it also places a binding referendum on the ballot, where at the next election, voters would have the opportunity to decide if they want stronger civilian oversight. And why do you why why add that? Why is it important to to give, you know, Chicago voters that opportunity to say, yes, we want this or, um, you know, no, we're fine with with the way this is laid out um, as is. 
I would say for me as an alderman, it's important because we want democracy. We want to make sure that our communities are empowered uh, to have a real say on the future of policing. Um, that's been a core demand of people that have wanted to reform policing in the city of Chicago and across the United States of America for a very long time. And research shows that if you're going to fix our broken policing system, you have to have democracy. You have to have community voice. And you have to have community uh, residents empowered to be able to have a real say over how the police are managed and what are the policies and training uh, that the police receive. So um, under existing state law, uh, the ability of the city of Chicago to enact strong civilian oversight is limited in some ways. Um, and so this referendum allows us to ask the voters if they want to have uh, a stronger civilian commission than what the Chicago City Council can implement at this time. Yeah, I'll second what Carlos said. Uh, something that is uh, sort of important about this ordinance is uh, it's 25 pages long, and the first 23 pages um, create uh probably the most robust civilian oversight um, legislation to exist in this country, uh, going back to the early 1900s when the L.A. Police Commission was created. Uh, but for many, like what, uh, what state law sort of allows, to Carlos's point, um, isn't far enough. And so to have an opportunity for the voters to decide if they want this commission to have even more powers um, is just, again, uh, it's a uh, a testament to democracy and giving uh, the citizens uh, more voice and more agency over how they're policed. Yeah. How how did it come to be that you all worked together on one ordinance? Because that wasn't always the case. Was it, you know, something that organizers had thought about or, or pitched, you know, months ago or, 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 you know, did it just kind of happen um you know, at the beginning of this year or, or how, at what point did, um, you know, did the, did the work on, on one ordinance really begin? Uh, I would probably go back to um, maybe a year or so ago, um, just at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, there are some relationships that have been held through the GAPA coalition and with a number of uh, aldermen who have supported sort of both ordinances at one point or another uh, and the Carper coalition, um, who is a supporter of the, uh, the, the drafter of the other ordinance. Um, and um, I think we kind of saw a moment uh, immediately following the uh, sort of televised murder of George Floyd uh, and the uprisings that followed after the uprisings and protests that followed after that, that um, there was a need for really robust, uh, transformative uh, oversight of the police department that um, was probably uh, more uh, more necessary in light of not just the protests, but the way the police behaved during those protests. And so through a number of conversations, uh, some frankly were more fruitful than others, um, we finally sort of at the end of last year, beginning of this year, um, began a really serious dialogue to figure out what was it um, about the two ordinances that we could agree on and how could we reconcile the outstanding issues to make sure that um, as a, the community, right, our two coalitions represent some hundred plus organizations, including community and labor groups, um, probably represent um, residents from every ward in the city of Chicago. Like, how do we come together to do something that's transformative and, um, and we're not fighting against each other. Um, our common, um, I would say common target is the mayor who has been like squarely 
uh, in the middle uh, between civilian oversight and the community. And we've been calling for this since 2015 and some even longer than that. Uh, so as we started uh, spending a little bit more time talking, you know, our Alderman Ramirez Rosa was instrumental um, along with others to sort of guide these conversations along, take us through some tough spaces uh, to make sure that we came up with an ordinance that uh, not only we agreed on, but that the city deserved. Have you heard from Mayor Lightfoot at all on um, on the proposal or I mean, have you heard from her directly? I know she's commented, um, you know, during press conferences, but um, has she reached out to you and um, has she, I don't know, said anything that she agrees on, agrees with in the ordinance or disagrees or has there been a, a dialogue at this point? There hasn't been any recent conversations with the mayor. I think um, it was September where she publicly split from the GAPA coalition. Um, and, you know, what was at stake was who would hold the power, right? I think the mayor was unwilling to give up uh, power to the community uh, and has said repeatedly that, you know, the mayor wears the jacket for police accountability. But our community is aware in the jacket of trauma and the jacket of pain and uh, just to be, you know, uh, nearly two years into her term um, and police oversight was promised in her first hundred days is a little discouraging. And so um, we have heard, I think I heard something as recently as today that the mayor's plan is coming. It's been coming since last September. Um, I don't have any faith that she's going to be able to put anything out that the community is going to believe in, uh, especially since we are the community and we have been doing this work for quite a long time. Anything that she puts together is going to fall short, I believe, uh, and shouldn't be supported by our city council members. And I'll add um, to what Desmond just shared that, you know, the mayor promised um, on the campaign trail that she would support the Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability's proposal for civilian oversight. And she has since moved away from those uh, commitments completely. So what I will say is that, you know, this mayor, I think, needs to decide what her vision is for policing in the city of Chicago, um, because it's consistently changed time uh, after time. Um, and we continue to hear that something is coming soon. Uh, we haven't seen an ordinance. And so this is the people's ordinance. This is an ordinance that uh, speaks to the campaign promises that she made when she was running for mayor. And I think that she uh, needs to get behind this ordinance. And I know that many aldermen uh, have told her, hey, work with the community groups. Don't introduce something on your own. Uh, I, I think that, you know, at the grassroots level, I, I don't necessarily know if there's anyone that would provide her with cover uh, at this point to pass an extremely watered down version of civilian oversight, uh, a version of civilian oversight that would make a mockery of the term civilian oversight. Uh, if all it is is providing some type of veneer of, you know, a community advisory committee. Uh, that can kind of recommend things to the mayor uh, and is just, you know, essentially an advisor group within the mayor's office. Yeah, I'd agree. You know, the the, the ordinance that we're presenting to city council has, um, you know, been vetted through hundreds of community conversations, spoken with thousands of community residents. We've spoken with national experts, um, both in the, the fields of law and police accountability. And uh, yes, it is a big job. Chicago Police Department is a big department, but it's also got a lot of problems and um, we have to start somewhere. I think this ordinance is a huge step in the right direction. And, you know, again, anything that the mayor puts together that 
you know, could be watered down or more advisory just isn't enough. It won't go far enough. And, uh, you know, we're talking to aldermen uh, on an almost daily basis as we're, you know, pulling together the votes for this, this ordinance. And we're not hearing any aldermen saying they're hearing from the mayor as well. So I'm, I don't have a clue who she's talking to, but it's not the community and it's not the people who have to vote on this in city council. And how are those conversations going um, that you're having with with aldermen? Um, you know, are, are people generally uh, receptive to this new ordinance? I know that um, separately, um, the GAPA and the, the CPAC proposals, you know, had quite a few sponsors. Um, do you know kind of what your count is at this point or, um, yeah, just kind of what's what's been the reception um, the past few weeks? Yeah, we're still developing our roll call. Uh, as uh, your listeners may or may not know, both the Progressive Caucus and the Latinx Caucus have agreed to support our ordinance. Uh, and um, most of what we're hearing is we're glad y'all came together, right? You know, again, to have uh, aldermen who supported either one, other, or both of the ordinances um, really, in some ways, um, uh, could put them in a tough position. And so now that we've come together with this ordinance that we agreed on um, and again, vetted by the community, built by the community, all in line with um, the mayor's or formerly, um, she was president, not president, head of the uh, police accountability task force. Everything that we created was in line with that. Uh, and to achieve that goal um, was lofty, uh, but we feel satisfied that we put together something strong and the conversations we've been having with aldermen have been reflective of that. And I'll add that I, I have spoken with a number of my colleagues. I spoke to a number of them yesterday about this bill. Um, and even folks who have not fully come on board yet express uh, that they're close, um, that they really like uh, a lot of what is in this ordinance. Um, they still have a few questions because it is a new ordinance, right? They had taken the time to read the CPAC ordinance, the GAP ordinance. This is a new ordinance. And so we're giving them that time to to read through the ordinance uh, we are here to answer their questions. Um, I, I think that we have a lot of support in the city council. In fact, I know we have a lot of support in the city council. It's always difficult to pass something through city council when you don't have the mayor's support. In my two terms, I can think of only one example uh, of an ordinance passing when the mayor wasn't behind it. So in some ways, we are trying to do something that is very rare in this city council uh, and in the city of Chicago. But I think that we owe it to our community to embark on this endeavor because this is the form of civilian oversight of robust community control uh, of the police that we need in order to address uh, racist policing, in order to end the police misconduct, which has cost so many Chicagoans their lives and which has cost the city of Chicago so many hundreds of millions of dollars. In addition to um, the mayor kind of posing a hurdle to this, um, you know, as as the Daily Line has reported, um, for two months in a row, public safety committee meetings were canceled, uh, largely at the last minute or, you know, just the day before they were scheduled to be held. And, and this month, um, you know, civilian oversight was not on um, the agenda for the public safety committee meeting. Um, you know, is there... I don't know. Do you do you foresee the ordinance uh, getting a committee hearing or getting heard in committee and, you know, potentially passing out in, in May? Or I'm, I'm sure you're hopeful, but what, what's kind of the outlook um, at this point or, or what are you hearing um, 
from the chairman. You know, the, the chairman of the Public Safety Committee, Chris Teleferro, uh, he has been very gracious with the mayor and he has certainly given her a lot of time uh, to introduce her own version of civilian oversight. And I know that he's waiting for that ordinance to come across his desk. Um, I suspect that his plan is to wait on moving forward with a vote on civilian oversight until the mayor puts forward her proposal. I will say that at some point in time, however, we do have to call the question. Um, and we're going to continue to engage aldermen. We're going to continue to talk to them about why the unity ordinance empowering communities for public safety is the best way to move forward with civilian oversight at this time for our city. Um, and at some point, however, and even from aldermen that I've spoken with, they said, look, you know, I'm not fully on board yet with ECPS, but if the mayor doesn't get something out soon, then you are all the only option that's out there. And I'm going to support that. How does civilian oversight um, help bring more accountability to the police department or what um, what what changes with this ordinance? And, you know, a, a year after. Um, whatever version is approved a year after it's approved, what's different um, in the city of Chicago? How do how do residents, um, you know, do they notice an on the ground change or, or what's the impact? I mean, I can imagine that one of the biggest impacts is that there's going to be this like welcoming space for community members to um, talk about the sort of policing they feel like their community needs, and it'll, it's just, this is a place that'll live outside the police department. So I've told this story a few times before. I was once doing some community organizing on the west side. This was about 10 years ago. Um, I was with a couple of um, senior citizens, and we were walking past a high school where there were you know, four or five high school boys, black boys, in uniform, just walking by, just being 15-year-old kids. And um, a police car starts driving by. Well, before you see the car, you hear it, and there's this officer who's singing a song from um, the PA system. And the song ultimately was a theme to a show called The Monkees from the 70s. It was this like parody on the Beatles, but the term monkey has this like racist connotation. And this cop is singing, hey, hey, we're the monkeys as he's driving by. And so you had this like multi-generational, three generations of people who were standing in this spot at this moment as this is happening, all um, just kind of paralyzed by the audacity that something like this would happen at 3.30 in the afternoon, right? Uh, in a marked police car. Uh, I can imagine that um, other students or other community residents have heard or felt some other sort of bias or or just like microaggression or racist act from these police officers and possibly others. That's I can't imagine, you know, those four high school boys walking into a police district and saying, this is what happened and I'd like to address this. Right. Or if you are a returning resident coming home from prison who had some negative experiences with the police, I can't imagine that um, that coming out and serving your community that you would want to walk into a police district and ask how you can get involved in supporting your community. Whereas to take this this uh, these district councils, take them outside of the police department and allow a safe space for those conversations to happen. Um, you can imagine, uh, I can imagine a world where there'll be much more accountability for those officers as they police our communities because the space in which um, grievances are addressed is much more uh, comfortable for people to, to be able to air and have those conversations. Also with respect to um, writing police policy, for example, the, the tragedy from a few weeks ago um, with Adam Toledo, 
Um, we're hearing that the city of Chicago police don't have a foot chase policy. This is a department that's over 100 years old and doesn't have a policy on how they chase people right down the street. Um, I can imagine a commission taking up the mantle and working to figure out what an equitable uh, chase policy is that protects citizens uh, and protects police officers, too. I know you both have been, you know, working on on this for a while, um, and I'm sure it's always been an urgent matter um, to get civilian oversight of the police department. But, um, you know, how does what is currently going on in, in Chicago and across the country with, um, as you mentioned, the, the police killing of Adam Toledo and the, you know, just a few months ago, the the video release of the wrong raid of Anjanette Young's home, Anjanette Young's home, and then the guilty verdict um, in Derek Chauvin's murder of George Floyd. I know that you know didn't happen in Chicago, but um, how does that affect the work that you're doing now? And does it um, you know pile on a sense of urgency um, right now in this moment to get this? Well, you know, Aaron, I, I think that all of the examples that you just listed really illustrate the need to fix our broken policing system. And study after study shows that robust civilian oversight is a critical component to fixing policing. We need to have community voice. We need to have civilians who represent our neighborhoods, who have a real say in policing policy, who have a real say in who the superintendent is. And I think it was in response to the tragic police killing of Laquan McDonald and the subsequent cover-up that Mayor Lightfoot lent her support and, and threw in with the Grassroots Alliance for Police Accountability's proposal for civilian oversight. Um, we have now seen under Mayor Lightfoot the brutalization of Ms. Anjanette Young and a subsequent cover-up, the murder of Adam Toledo and um, what appears for several days to have been an attempted cover-up with police misrepresenting that there was a armed confrontation when there, in fact, was not one between Adam Toledo and the police officer who killed him. So I, I think that what we see now is that, you know, we can't think that by just switching the mayor, suddenly we're going to totally fix policing. We need the proven strategies of civilian oversight. Uh, to bring in that accountability, to bring in that community voice and ensure that our communities are really being able to drive the reforms that will fix policing in our city. We can't wait any longer for civilian or community oversight of the police. It's just, you know, I believe after Adam was murdered, within a day or so, police officers murdered um, yet another uh, brown young man um, that wasn't as publicized, right? Uh, I, I saw a statistic or heard a statistic today that um, at the beginning of the George Floyd, I'm sorry, the Derek Chauvin trial uh, till just this past Monday when opening, I'm sorry, closing arguments started, police in this country killed three people per day, right? If that doesn't tell you something is wrong with policing, I don't know what does. And when we look at just sort of the patterns and practices of the police department, the fact that um, you know, rebranding the civilian oversight process hasn't helped, um, uh, the federal consent decree hasn't helped. Um, one thing that's clear is none of those um, bodies have community voice present, um, nor um, have community voice like really driving the conversation. And so the thought behind this ordinance um, is that this allows for that space to happen 
uh, in a, a real and equitable way that provides uh, just a real transformation of the way that the police police our communities. And, you know, the, I don't think anybody knows as much as police officers will say, you don't know what it's like to be a police officer. I don't think police officers know what it's like to be a you know 19 year old black kid walking down the street who gets stopped and frisked every time just because he's got dreadlocks or a hoodie on. So to be able to have those conversations in a way that is um, hopefully collaborative, right? Because we all have the best interests of this city in mind and in heart. Um, but uh, I think that the powers of the commission to impose policy um, should be a carrot and not a stick, right? I believe that uh, we all live in the city. We all care about it and all want what's best for it. Uh, so we all need to be a part of the conversation to make it better. You know, we are trying to do something that that's extremely rare in the city of Chicago, and that's pass something through the city council without the support of the mayor. Um, I hope the mayor uh, changes her tune and, and supports this community initiative um, because this is the most powerful and robust Com, uh, coalition uh, that has formed around a, poli uh, around a piece of legislation um, in a generation in this city. Um, and, and I think it, it makes a lot of sense that this powerful coalition has come together around policing, which has been uh, in, in so many ways a disaster uh, in the city of Chicago. Um, just look at all the police misconduct settlements. Just look at how much property taxes have had to go up to cover those police misconduct settlements. The movement to win community control of the police, to make sure that civilians and regular Chicagoans can have a real say in police policy, in police leadership, isn't going anywhere. The city council can change. The mayor can change. This movement is going to stick around. So I really hope that my colleagues in this mayor, that we collectively decide that we're going to be the elected officials in office that are going to tackle this and that are going to get this done, because this movement if they don't get a referendum, uh, you know, through an ordinance, they're going to go out and collect the signatures. And so this is really our opportunity for this council and this mayor to step up and be the ones to deliver this transformative change. And I really hope that we as a city council will rise to the occasion. All right, that's it for this episode of The Cloudcast. I wanted to say thanks to Alderman Carlos Ramirez Rosa and Desmond Yancey for speaking with me. This episode was produced by me, Erin Hegarty, and edited by Joel Ebert. We'll be back with another episode in just two weeks. 